When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 173 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. What a crazy opening week so far of NBA action. We will start with the Knicks opener in just a second. What another wild opening night ride that was feel like it's almost every year now the Knicks have a crazy game on opening night we'll also take a look in the second half of the show at how the rest of the NBA has got on to start the new season really appreciate everyone's feedback on the last episode it seems like you all really like those uh, opening season previews and things like that uh if you missed it um You can go back to episode 172 to get my full preview and predictions for the upcoming NBA season. So let's start in Memphis, Tennessee, the Knicks and the Grizz to open up this new season in the NBA and this somewhat of a new era with Jalen Brunson running the point. He had a rough start to the game. I will say... um, Right up front, I was bouncing back and forth, as I'm sure many of you were, uh, between the Yankee game and and the Nick game uh, on uh, on Wednesday night. I'm sure I'm not the only one that was doing that. And of course, it was a double whammy of disappointment. I've been keeping an eye on Game Two here while I'm you know prepping and then recording the podcast. And again, the Yankees are in need of a comeback here, so we'll see if they're able to do it. But yeah, I I just thought from from the beginning of the game, you know, it was tough for Jalen Brunson. He was dealing with some foul trouble at the start of the game. And, you know, it's always tough, especially against a team like Memphis, very good defensively and very aggressive backcourt play to get into a game when you're in foul trouble. And it took Jalen Brunson a little while. Um, and in the second half, particularly uh, in the fourth quarter, where a lot of Knicks shine, and we'll get to some of them, in a second, um, I thought Jalen Brunson looked really, really good. I, I thought overall um, the Knicks played well. I know that they had a really rough stretch between the end of the third and the beginning of the fourth where Memphis kind of ballooned it to, I think it was 19. I think 19 was the largest Memphis lead in the game. Obviously, John Morant uh, was tremendous and... In the end, he made big plays down the stretch. But to be fair, um, I, I thought one of the positives for the game was that the Knicks were, were playing a very tough team, a team that I think, as I, as you know, for those that missed my last show, a team I think could win the championship. I really think Memphis is that good. Besides John Moran, I, I thought the Knicks kept the the supporting cast relatively in check. You know, again, it's it wasn't really the I guess it was, not to be fair, pretty close to the full outfit that 
Memphis is bringing to the table, I think uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Triple J, was the only notable absent you know, uh, piece for this Grizzlies team. And, and to be fair, the Knicks were missing, you know, Quentin Grimes and, and, a, and some players as well. So it, it was a, a defensive performance I think the Knicks can be proud of. Again, besides that stretch where the the Grizzlies ballooned the lead to 19, I, I thought the Knicks, I don't know if they fell asleep or if Memphis was just making shots. I felt like Memphis had a really good three-point shooting night. I, I actually didn't look at the three-point numbers, but... Let me see. Memphis shot 17 of 50 from downtown. Nick shot 9 of 37. Not That is very, very inefficient from three. R.J. Barrett actually went 0 of 6 from three. He had a rough night, to say the least. But on the whole, I want to bring up three things. There's, there's, I have three bullets, uh, three bullet points, I should say, that I wanted to bring up from the game in particular. Number one... Um, I, I thought when he got going, Jalen Brunson was phenomenal in his Knicks debut. He almost, uh, he was briefly knocking on the door of a triple-double in the game. He had he had nine uh, assists, 15 points, six rebounds, and when he finally got a good stretch going uh, in the second half, you really saw him flourish with guys like Randall, and, you know, you could even throw in... Uh, uh, on top of that, you could throw in Fournier. And my second point, it leads me nicely into my second point, two tremendous uh, performances off the bench where I thought Jalen Brunson really helped incorporate Cam Reddish into the fold and Isaiah Hardenstein into the fold as well. I was thoroughly impressed with those two guys in particular. And Hardenstein ended up playing 40 minutes in the game, played the most minutes of any Nick in the game and had 16 points, eight rebounds, and four assists. He was tremendous. And by the way, seven of the eight Hartenstein rebounds were offensive rebounds. So he was tremendous on both ends of the floor in his Knicks debut, I was thoroughly impressed by him. But I have to say, um, maybe it's because he wasn't healthy last year or didn't get enough playing time one or the other. Remember, there was a whole thing about why Tom Thibodeau and the front office were at odds over getting Cam Reddish. Well, uh, I think the front office might have a one nothing lead here in the 2022-2023 season. Boy, did Cam Reddish play well in the fourth quarter and in overtime in particular. Reddish obviously hits the big three with three seconds left in regulation that sent the game to overtime. And then Jalen Brunson had the huge charge that he drew on John Morant with a half second left that clinched an overtime opportunity. I will say the Knicks were a little unfortunate that they had to inbound the ball with five tenths of a second left from in front of their own, or I guess to the side of their own bench. That was a terrible place for them to have to inbound the ball. I actually think the Knicks would have preferred to go full court at that stage. You might have had a better angle for a pass. In the end, the pass, I forget who inbounded it, but it was thrown away. And then, listen, uh, the third point I wanted to bring up is that the Knicks had many opportunities in overtime. Many opportunities in overtime. And they had... 
I want to say four possessions in a row, three or four possessions in a row where the Knicks had a chance to take the lead in overtime. Now the Knicks, again, the Knicks were down 19. They had the lead with three and a half minutes left in regulation, but it wasn't for very long. I think the next possession after they took the lead, Memphis got the lead back and never relinquished it the rest of the game. So obviously there were some ties, but the Knicks were never in the lead again after they took the lead with three and a half minutes left in regulation. So it was disappointing because, again, Memphis won the game 115-112 for anyone, you know, living under a rock. Um, but in all seriousness, you know, two two quick things within my last thing that I want to mention. Again, Jalen Brunson had a few big opportunities to give the Knicks the lead from three. He missed both of the chances. RJ Barrett had a chance to give the Knicks the lead. He missed an opportunity. He had a rough night. Three of 18 from the field. 0 of 6 from deep. Five of his 11 points came from the free throw line. That's not a good start to the season for RJ Barrett. He'll be fine, but if he has anywhere near an average game, the Knicks probably win this game. So that was a disappointing stat to to look back up when I was prepping for this game, for, for this game, for this podcast recapping the opening night contest. One other thing um, about the overtime period in particular, I thought the Knicks defended extremely well in overtime and for a good chunk of the fourth quarter in particular. And again, John Morant's going to get his, but... A lot of the supporting cast struggled to get good looks. The only, I think the only one the Knicks might want to have back was that Tyus Jones three that I think put the Grizzlies up by three or four. I forget how 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 big the lead was at that point. Might have been a three point swing to get, to give the like the Knicks had a chance to take. They took a three at the other end for the lead. They missed. Tyus Jones hit a three at the other end to give the Grizz a three point lead. I think that's what happened. Very late on, like I think we're about a minute left, something like that. Now, to be fair, uh, the Knicks got a little lucky. Tyus Jones uh, missed two free throws uh, that allowed the Knicks to get that look, which they hit on the Cam Reddish. Was it the Cam Reddish one? Now, now maybe mix it up fourth quarter overtime. Regardless, Tyus Jones had a chance to ice the game at one point. He misses the free throws. Um, and in the end, you know, the Knicks had opportunities the uh were given a few opportunities overall i thought they played very well against a really good team on their floor it came down to the last shot and i thought evan fournier in a tight space on that far uh in that far corner got a really good look let the defender fly by him and he just came up a little bit short on the rim if he had just pushed it maybe a, a smidge more half an inch more he probably buries it, and we would have gone to a second overtime. Uh, but in the end, it wasn't to be. What was this? I was just trying to uh, look this up while I was explaining that last point. Nick Celtics last year, opening night at the Garden. Was that three overtimes last year? I mean, it was just insane um, on opening night a year ago. And, and then the Knicks go to overtime in this game as well. It's just a... Uh, oh, it was a, I beg your pardon, a double overtime, just two, uh, (laughs) 
Just two overtimes a year ago at the Garden. The Knicks won 138-134. They put up a heck of a fight in Memphis on this occasion on opening night. It, I, I didn't look up the uh, the opening night prior to last year's, but this is becoming a bit of a theme here. Opening night drama uh, for the Knicks. Won it last year on opening night. This year in Memphis against a very good team. Knicks come up short. I, I Again, disappointing because the Knicks had plenty of chances in overtime in particular to win the game. Uh, even despite the fact that Memphis got some big shots uh, from John Morant down the stretch. And in the end, it wasn't to be. Uh, they needed one more to go in to force a second overtime. And Evan Fournier... Unlucky, frankly. I thought he got a great look. Uh, give him a lot of credit for making that an opportunity, and he missed it. And that was it. It, it happens uh, at times. I mean, Fournier, overall, I thought was a little up and down in the game. I thought at some points he was good. Other points was a little off, uh, especially from within the three-point arc. He actually made three of six of his threes, three of three from the free-throw line. Anything within the three-point line, uh, he was, I think, it was one of five. If my math is correct, he really struggled on, on, uh, we, you know, struggled within the three-point line. But Julius Randle was tremendous: twenty-four points, eleven rebounds. He had six assists and a couple of steals. I thought he was very efficient. Uh, hit a couple of big threes in the game as well. And four of five from the free throw line. You'll take that from Julius Randle every night. Knicks only missed three free throws in the game. Memphis missed nine so that was a big swing but in the end the Grizzlies got that last stop that was required good good start I mean again you can't be thrilled at all that the Knicks lost but I'm just very happy with the way they fought in this game Memphis could have blew them out of the gym at the end of the game and Again, the Knicks had the energy. It's a new season. That helps. Maybe later in the season, a game like this, the Knicks let it go, and they maybe lose by 15 or 20 points. But the Knicks fought back in this game and forced overtime, could have very easily won it in overtime. Again, they had three or four chances to take the lead in overtime. I mean, R.J. Barrett had a couple of really easy shots, frankly, that he missed down the stretch in overtime whether it was to take the lead or tie it I think at one point he had a layup to try to cut it to one or tie the game and he missed that in transition I mean he had a really rough it was contested but he had a really he had a rough night and that's a shot you'd expect RJ Barrett at this stage in particular of his career to make he's made them plenty of times before those running layups where he's at full tilt in transition and he missed it you know so I think other than R.J. Barrett having a bit of an off night, and to be fair, I must say this as well, this this was maybe not talked about as much in the aftermath. I thought Toppin, Rose, and Quickly, I know Derek Rose, I give Derek Rose a pass. He's coming off of an injury, and um, it might take him a little while to get going this season. He also only played 12 minutes, so I give, you know, Tibbs is kind of easing him back into it. But Toppin and Quickly gave the Knicks almost diddly squat off the bench they combined combined for two points in this game and boy did the did the Knicks need Reddish and Hartenstein I, I don't know if Hartenstein's gonna give you 16 and 8 
every night, but boy, the Knicks used it really well in regulation. And they ended up forcing overtime because of a performance like that. And if the Knicks get anything like that from Cam Reddish as the season goes on, that bench is looking pretty nice. It's looking a lot nicer than I thought it was. I remember when I was watching the game, and to be fair, I was flipping back and forth between the Yankees and the Knicks. But anytime Cam Reddish made a play, I was reminded, like, I I haven't gone into Cam Reddish a lot because he was such an unknown coming into the season. And again, it's one game. Let me be very clear about that as well. But I think we almost forgot like how young Cam Reddish is, how athletic Cam Reddish is and what he could potentially be. I mean, Cam Reddish was a star at Duke on, on that team that had Zion William, Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett. They were teammates at Duke Reddish and Barrett. And they were tremendous there. He was a high draft pick. And you know the Hawks at the time got rid of him. And I remember when we first heard the news that the Knicks had acquired Cam Reddish, I was thinking, wow, they kind of got him for nothing. Either that's a hugely, you know, helpful move for the Knicks or what do the Hawks know that we don't know kind of a thing. And Again, one game, but we just saw what Cam Reddish could potentially bring to this Knicks team. He was tremendous, tremendous. And I I was very, very impressed with kind of what he can do at both ends of the floor, right? He had 22 points and five rebounds, shot three of six from from deep. He's a very good three-point shooter. But he had three steals and a block as well, showing you he can be strong at the defensive end of the floor as well. And that was something he didn't always have at Duke. That was that was still kind of coming down the pike a little bit for Cam Reddish. So that might have been the biggest bright spot of the night was how well Cam Reddish played off the bench. And Isaiah Hartenstein, give him credit, man. What, what a way to endear yourself to Nick fans after one game. I thought he was tremendous. And... On a night where, you know, Mitchell Robinson, Mitchell Robinson only played 13 minutes in the game. And I don't know if that's a sign of things to come or if that was just a, we're easing him back into things as well. Mitchell Robinson was injured a lot last year, but I will say Hartenstein, regardless of how this goes the rest of the way, could be another pretty nice piece for the Knicks to have off the bench. And when you can kind of plug and play between Robinson and Hartenstein, if they're both kind of clicking, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good uh, center pairing, if you will, to have available. So that was very nice to see. Very encouraging. I think that I think that's the best word I could use about opening night for the Knicks. Encouraging. I was very encouraged by what I saw. V- you know, extremely disappointed. Like I said, that the Knicks didn't win the game. They very easily could have. But to be fair, they had to fight back from 19 down. On the road, many teams don't even get it to overtime in the NBA from that range. So give the Knicks credit for that. Uh, and again, you know, maybe if, if, if a player or two gives you a little bit more, Knicks win the game probably. So, Or again, if, if Fournier makes the shot at the end, who knows? Double overtime, anything can happen. So unlucky. Uh, at the end for the Knicks. Uh, very encouraging signs after one game, but it's just one game. 
So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how the Knicks uh, look going forward. But I think you could take a lot of positives from it. A lot of positives from that game for the Knicks in particular. I, I, again, I, I know that I mentioned it quickly and Toppin struggled, but what a bench that could turn out to be for the Knicks. Toppin and quickly will be better than that during the season. Hartenstein, Reddish, Rose, and, and then maybe a few other of the youngsters getting some time. Very, very encouraging, potentially. Along with a five that... When you add Jalen Brunson, could come along pretty nicely in the end. So, listen, the next three for the Knicks are at the Garden. They're all winnable games. Let's see how the Knicks do. I think it's Detroit when the podcast goes out, so we won't have any reaction to that until next week. And then we'll also look back at the Orlando game on Monday, and I think Charlotte's in town on Wednesday. I don't have it in front of me, but I think those are the next three for the Knicks. I believe they're all at home, uh, and we'll look at all that. Next week, very interesting, very encouraging. I now, now maybe I'm using that word too much, but I was very happy with the way the Knicks played, disappointed uh, with the result, if you will, at the end. But we'll see how the Knicks bounce back. Again, three games coming up where you would expect the Knicks to win. They're all at the Garden. Let's see if the Knicks can get those games and make them wins moving forward to have a strong start to the season. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll take a look around the rest of the NBA. Celtics and Sixers on opening night. Warriors ring night against the Lakers. The Bucks getting off to a good start as well. All of that and more is next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. All right, second half of the show. Let's take a look at what happened around the rest of the NBA. We talked about the Knicks and Grizz in the first half of the podcast. Full breakdown of the Memphis 115-112 victory in overtime. October 18, Tuesday, was when it got underway in the NBA to really tip off this 2022-2023 regular season big win for the Celtics they needed a statement win at the garden TD garden if you will on opening night against Philly they did just that 126 117 I want to say really quickly on this game um solid game you know I thought the Sixers at times looked a little outmatched but they hung around late in the game but in the end, 35 points from Jason Tatum ended up being enough. And he had some tremendous three-point shots throughout the game that kind of never let the, the Sixers get over the hump in the end. But James Harden, looking like the old James Harden. I, again, I know it's a long season and he won't do this every night, but he had 35. He had seven assists. And eight rebounds. I mean, that's impressive. That's impressive from James Harden. He's getting up there a little bit. Even Joel Embiid came out in recent years and has said that this is not going to be the Houston James Harden. That looked that looked a little bit like the Houston James Harden. A little bit. So that's a good sign for Philly. I know they didn't win the game, but 
That's pretty good. That's a pretty good start. In the Bay, Golden State got their rings. Uh, even even Draymond. They gave Draymond his ring. He didn't use it to hurt Jordan Poole. It was all cool between them. And by the way, now there's conspiracy theories that that, that was all staged because Draymond Green's you know, doing a last dance kind of doc about this season because this could be his last year as a warrior. It's all nonsense. If it's the truth, by the way, if it's the truth, that's completely ridiculous. And if Jordan Poole was in on it, what are you doing, my friend? But I, it, it can't be. It, I would be absolutely flabbergasted if that was the case. It was. I think it's just clear as day that Draymond, you know, lost his head a little bit there and paid the price, but somewhat paid the price as, as much as he can as an NBA star, I guess. But I really thought that the Lakers would want to make a statement in this game. And to be fair, most, I will say, I don't have the stat in front of me, but from off the top of my head, most ring nights that happen in the NBA see the champions lose a lot of the time. I try to remember recent years, but I feel like over the last like 10 years for the most part, the team that is hanging the banner and getting the rings, they tend to lose on ring night. But the Warriors rolled the Lakers for most of the night. I, I thought that um, I, I thought that Steph Curry was Steph Curry at 33 points. LeBron was two assists shy of a triple-double, so he showed up. But in the end, I mean, the Lakers really didn't get going, I thought, as a whole until the fourth quarter. And by that point, the game was basically over. I, I mean, I think after three quarters, I'm trying to take a look back through here because at the half it was it was a tight game. At the half, I think the, I think the Warriors were up by seven at the half. But by the time we got to the fourth, I think they were up by twenty. Like the game was over going into the fourth, and the Lakers uh, tried to come back. They made it a little bit of a contest in the fourth, but the game was over. Game was basically decided at that point. So I, I thought that was a bit of a bit of a, again, one game, but bit of a missed opportunity for the Lakers to kind of send a message. Now, AD was pretty good. He had 27 points, four steals, six rebounds. I'm sure Laker fans are happy to see him back. Russell Westbrook was okay. I thought he did pretty well. 19 and 11 rebounds, um, somewhat limited his turnovers. That's big. You know, Pat Beverly was was pretty bad. I thought he had, out of the starters, I thought he had probably the worst performance. He was pretty pretty bad, especially on the offensive end of the floor. Didn't really give the Lakers a ton. And off the bench, I think this is where the, the Lakers really got burned. Kendrick Nunn was the only player that had more than three points off the Laker bench. And there were three players that the Lakers brought off the bench that didn't score a single point. And one of them was Juan Toscano Anderson, who's supposed to be a big part of this team this season. He played 14 minutes, didn't score a bucket. That's not good. That's not what you want off the bench. So in the end, I think the Warriors were the ones that ended up making a bit of a statement on opening night against the Lakers. And, you know, again, right, you look at, the starters for the Warriors, Clay showed up. We mentioned what Steph did. Andrew Wiggins, I mean, what a player. 
what a what a player. They re-signed him. He showed why they, they needed to do that. He had 20 points, 6-4, and four, tr- tremendous. One of the best plus-minuses of anybody uh, on the floor to, to throw that in as well. By the way, DiVincenzo, James Wiseman, Jordan Poole, Kaminga off the bench along with uh, Jamichael Green. That's a pretty nice bench for Golden State. That's pretty nice. Like, you throw James Wiseman back into the mix, a healthy James Wiseman. DiVincenzo, who was tremendous when he was healthy with Milwaukee. And, of course, Jordan Poole starts the season on the bench. We'll see how long that kind of stays that way. But tremendous. The Warriors, again... May have underestimated the Warriors. I forget. I think I put them fourth in my uh, in my rankings. I, we'll see. Could be a pretty special year for Golden State. Again, one game, one game. But think of what they have. Golden State. Don't count them out just because Draymond threw a haymaker at Jordan Poole. Another one uh, from the night the Knicks got underway, Wednesday, had a really nice full slate. Um, I'm just going to go through notable performances, I think, more than the actual who won and who lost. I think it's nothing really uh, notable happened in that regard. I guess guess maybe, maybe Chicago winning at Miami was probably the biggest surprise. Maybe, actually, maybe Utah beating Denver that was pretty surprising as well but other than that I think it was relatively straightforward big win for the Suns I thought over Dallas they need to kind of get a little bit of revenge on the Mavs for how game seven went a year ago where Luka and company just put the hurting on Phoenix on their home floor Phoenix gets some revenge with a 107-105 victory the usual suspects were tremendous in the end Phoenix holds on and wins in the end by a by a bucket the jazz and i again i was hyping up denver going into the season it's one game right but utah right utah without donovan mitchell without rudy gobert who was tremendous in in uh minnesota's opening night win over over okc and utah wins by 21 over Denver I did not see that coming and again it's not the um you know it's a Denver team that well actually they're, they're pretty close to healthy now you know Murray played he had 12 points but it's gonna take it might take Denver a couple weeks to get it going but I, I think the biggest disappointment uh for Denver might have been that Contavious Caldwell Pope had two points in 35 minutes on the floor. I don't care what your role is. That's not good enough if you're losing by 21. You, you've got to be chipping in something. But really what hurt the, the Nuggets in the end, Jokic had a big night. Gordon and Porter Jr. did their job. The bench, sporadic. Denver played a lot of guys off the bench as well. I think they played nine or ten guys off the bench. And besides Bones Highland, no one else was in double figures, and only three of the ten actually scored points in the game. But give Utah, give Utah a lot of credit. 
lot of credit. The bench was big. Walker Kessler, Colin Sexton were both phenomenal. Malik Beasley, tremendous. And and how about the ageless Rudy Gay? My goodness, this guy, 36 years young, continues to put up pretty good NBA numbers. Fair play to Rudy Gay. Utah wins 123-102. That was a bit of a shocker, I have to say. Maybe the most surprising result of the season so far, I must say. That was pretty shocking. For what Utah's going to be potentially this season, that was pretty surprising. DeMar DeRozan had 37, two, two, uh, sorry, an assist in three, three or four rebounds shy, I think, of a triple-double. And... And the Bulls beat Miami in Miami. But again, the Bulls are pretty good. So I think we can kind of let that one slide. Actually, I'll throw one more out there because I do want to highlight one more performance that uh, may have gone a little bit under the radar in this opening week. But how about the Pelicans? Now, the Pelicans are kind of a team that should be in the mix. You know, if they're healthy and, and things like that, they can stay healthy, really. They should be in the mix. But let me tell you, I was not expecting what I saw on opening night in Brooklyn for the Pelicans to look that good. I don't think I was expecting that. And the Pelicans jumped on the Nets early in that game. I think the Nets were down 20, was it 18? Something like that. After one quarter, and they made it a game at the half, but the Pelicans kept on coming in the second half. I mean, what a return for Zion Williamson reannouncing himself to the NBA. 25 points, four steals, and nine rebounds. McCollum, tremendous. Brandon Ingram led the way at 28 points. And the bench wasn't great on, on the whole, but Trey Murphy had 16 points off the bench, and that was all they needed to win the game 130-108. to And let me tell you, that was a fully healthy, ready-to-go Brooklyn Nets team that they smacked around at Barclays Center. Durant was tremendous. He had 32. Kyrie Irving was terrible. 6 of 19 from the field, 15 points. Three of them from the stripe. I mean, he was awful. He was absolutely awful. And there was only... Uh, actually, there was multiple players that had a worse plus minus. But the only guy that had a, a worse plus minus, that had a worse game, I would argue, was Ben Simmons. He was terrible on both ends of the floor. And again, I still don't know what the plan is for Ben Simmons. But that was a terrible dress rehearsal for the upcoming 81 games the Nets still have to play. That was rough to watch. He played 23 minutes, fouled out in the game. Four points, five assists, five rebounds. So I get that Durant and Irving and maybe Patty Mills had 16 points. Like There are other guys that are expected to score on this team and make an impact. But Ben Simmons, my goodness, if that's what's expected to come for the Nets, this could be a long season. 
It certainly isn't going to be a season where they get anywhere near a Larry O'Brien trophy. Let me be very clear on that. That was not good. And I, I thought at times when the game was kind of decided that, you know, Simmons had a few decent moments and Patty Mills, but when the game was still up for grabs, second, third quarter in particular, terrible. Terrible. And Kyrie Irving, my gosh, man. Oh, of six from three, by the way, for Kyrie. Opening night, right? I get it. One game. But New Orleans, big statement. Big statement to start the season. I'll be very, I'm going to be very curious how well New Orleans does now. Because if they stay healthy, if they stay healthy, remember, without Zion and with a banged-up team that was still trying to find its chemistry, last season the pelicans got into the playoffs and made some noise via the play-in last season if zion is there and healthy the west could have a new member at the contenders table here i'm telling you and i I remember saying this in the preview if there was any team that was going to be a little bit further away from where i have them as far as like being a positive like the ceiling it was the pelicans because I could see them finishing in the play-in spots again or in the top six. Like, that, that is their capability. Now, I didn't, I, I did mention, I didn't think that was going to happen this year. But what a, what a start. What a start for New Orleans. You couldn't have asked for a better one. And you beat one of the best teams on paper in the East in their building by 22 points. That's making a statement on opening night. No question about that. Last game slash performance that I want to highlight to end the show. And I think some people may have gone into it a little bit, but I felt like on the whole, it got a little bit left behind, frankly. And that was the Detroit-Orlando game. I know Detroit ends up winning the game, right? And the usual suspects for Detroit were great. Cade Cunningham... Great great debut, I thought, from Jaden Ivey. Bogdanovich led the Pistons in scoring. And it was enough for a four-point win. But let me tell you something. Orlando, you've got yourself a star. Paolo Bancaro was unreal in his NBA debut. Maybe the best rookie debut Certainly this season, maybe since Zion's, when when Zion first got on the floor. Like, it was that good. 27, 9, 5, and 2 blocks for Paolo Bancaro. No three-point attempts. Didn't take a single three-point shot. And Paolo Bancaro can hit the three. He was unreal. Had a crazy poster dunk in the game as well. He was really, really good. And again, we know what Jalen Suggs is capable of on this team. Wendell Carter Jr., Franz Wagner, I thought was pretty good as well at 20 points. Terrence Ross is a vet. But Paolo Bancaro, I'll tell you what, he made me a little shaky about my pick that, that Orlando is going to finish last. I, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. The East is going to be really good if the Magic finish last. That was impressive 
again, the issue is going to be whether or not they can actually win games. But, and again, to that point, they lost the game against Detroit. They lost 113-109. But Paolo Bancaro turned some heads. And he turned my head, let me tell you, he was tremendous. He played really, really well. And I think Orlando fans, Orlando fans have got to be pretty excited. They've got to be pretty happy with the way their team played despite losing the game because they could have a bright, bright future if they can keep their wits about them in the front office because that's a pretty good core now. Suggs, you throw in Wagner, Bancaro, a lot of talent. Cole Anthony, I don't even think Cole Anthony played if he he didn't play a lot. It's a good team, man. That's a good team potentially down the road. Down the road. A lot of talent. Not sure how many games are going to win this year. Again, I, I had them, I have them finishing last in the East, but I'm shaking a little bit about it now. Pa- Paolo Bancaro looked unreal. I think that was maybe the underappreciated performance of the season so far. I don't think enough people have been talking about how good Paolo Bancaro was on opening night for the Magic. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Thank you so much, as always, for listening, and I will see you all next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Have a great week, everybody.